Welcome to another episode of There Is A System to This Madness Podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is June 27, 2020. Let's get right into it. Okay. I didn't realize that President Trump was a Jedi Knight because he is using the Jedi mind trick on individuals, all of this pity, pity talking that he's doing, where he's now starting to say that Joe Biden is going to be president because some people don't love me. Or there's photos of him where he just looked beat down after he came from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where, you know, they had this forecast projections that indicated that there was going to be standing room only in this 20,000 seat stadium and only rough, I guess they were saying about 6,000 people showed up. So pretty much he's I think he's starting to get a dose of his reality that America is pretty much a decent place. Yes, we got we still got our issues. There are a number of individuals that you see that are getting the limelight, mainly the Trump supporters, the mega hat wearers. But overall, I do not believe that this is the majority. In fact, if you if you look at the last presidential election, you know, I know we got the Electoral College, um, the Electoral College system. However, let's remember, even with a number of people staying home, splitting the votes and whatnot, Hillary Clinton still got the popular vote. That still counts for something. Though the numbers were close, but when you think about the numbers that actually stayed away from the polls because they were disgruntled, you still, you gotta take in consideration that this country the majority of people are good people. It's just that the individuals that believe in Trump's rhetoric, believe in the ideology, believe in the concept that he gives them the belief that it is okay to express your hatred. It is okay to believe that their grasp of their way of life, which whatever that is, because that still baffles me. And again, I've said it a hundred times before. I challenge any Trump supporter to answer and tell me what is it that he 
does for them. And I'm talking about a person that basically from a non-financial situation. Because really the benefit from Trump's economic programs, you got to make at least $250,000 a year. I would love to hear from an individual or individuals that do not make that amount of money and explain to me what is it about him and how he benefits their everyday lives. How is, is it the companies that they work for or even the companies that they own? If you give me something like that, basically financial, you know, I'm like, okay, you can't argue with that because I'm a firm believer. You should vote based on how a candidate benefits your household. In my opinion, I've always felt that as African-Americans, this is something that we, that we lack. We tend to vote Democrat because that's what we're raised to do. Now, you know, in my household growing up, you know, my father is a union man. Democrats have always been strong proponents of the union. Republicans, they've always gone against the unions. So, of course, that benefited our household. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You benefit from something. A person is standing on the platform that they're going to keep this benefit going. So you would be crazy not to, to support that. But what about the people that have no gain from a political, a political individual, Donald Trump? What does some person in rural Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, that makes, like I said, make less than $250,000, that's an employee, what do you gain from supporting Donald Trump? What is it that he is giving you or promising you because you're not getting anything. But what is it that you see that you can possibly get with Donald Trump being president of the United States? And the only thing that I can come to the conclusion is he gives pretty much white Americans. And I can't say all white people because you see some black people. And the funny thing is, you know, it's the speak on that. When you see black people at his rallies, and of course, they're they using them as tokens because they, they keep the camera on them. They got their own little section. As soon as, in my opinion, when a black person walks through the door, they automatically probably shuffle them straight to the front because they want to make sure they got a black section. But I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet that these black people, if you look at their household from a financial point of view, from a Republican point of view, they benefit 
in a in a monetary way of supporting the Republican Party. And don't get me wrong, if that is what's going on, I can't hate on you. But again, not all black people that are Trump supporters are making over $250,000. I mean, let's let's be real. But going back to the white counterparts, I know all of them jokers are not making over $250,000. Based on what I can see, I don't even think, if I had to put it in a percentage, $250,000, probably we talking about if we... I, I, I want to say 10%, but that's, I don't know, that might be high. I want to say really 5%. But I would definitely say under 100,000 is no doubt. That number is at 50%, 60%. So the 60% of the Donald Trump supporters that don't benefit financially from any of his policies why are you voting for him? And the only thing that comes up is, it's the rhetoric. He has given white America a safe haven to express their true feelings. Let's, let's, let's back it up to President Obama. When President Obama was in office, he had white folks scared shitless. Because he had them believing that he was going to put in policies that would, as they like to say, erode away their way of life. It's, it's almost as if they really felt that he was going to put them in slavery. That was the type of fear that these individuals had. He's going to take our guns. He's going to take our jobs. He's going to force this on us, force that. All this stuff that they were saying. And it's, it's ironic. The things that are being challenged that they've been afraid of is all happening during this administration. The, the Confederate statues. To my understanding, I don't think unless, you know, there's a state or city local decision, Obama never ever never ever ever said from what I'm I can't even get it out. Never ever ordered any type of Confederate statue, any type of Confederate flag to come down. And the reason being, nobody paid attention to it. You know, I can't figure out why all of a sudden all of these statues and these monuments I saw the day where it said um, some school was taking down a statue of Woodrow Wilson. I don't know which president he was, but he was president of the United States. I'm thinking Woodrow Wilson, president of the United, a former president of the United States, he taking this statue down. But evidently, I guess good old Woodrow, he must, you know, said some very colorful things in regards to people of color. So again, his statue coming down. All of the 
statues of Christopher Columbus. And to my knowledge, I don't know, I don't think I've ever heard that Columbus was a racist. Now I heard, you know, he, he was a molester. He was a predator. He was a rapist. He was a robber. But I ain't never heard that he was a racist. But, I mean, hey, I guess why you, why you chopping heads, you know, go for all of them, I guess. But it's just, it's just amazing how all of this stuff that white people were fearing during the Obama administration is happening in this administration. And you know, there's a statement, the Lord works in mysterious ways. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Yes, we can say, you know, the George Floyd death, the video, you know, there have been protests that have taken place, Black Lives Matter, but it just, what, what is it? I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out. But again, it's just amazing how things work. And this, it's no doubt in my mind, this is going to roll right up to the November election. And Donald Trump, when he says things like, uh, Joe Biden is going to win because some people don't love me. No, what he's doing, he's looking at the reality of what's going on right now. He's looking at those polling numbers. You know, these these are the numbers that he has always said, you know, these numbers were by fake media. No, he's starting to realize. He it's just the handwriting's on the wall. You know, he's you know, he's trying to get that sympathy. I try to tell people, don't fall for it. Don't let your guard down. All of this pity talk that he's doing is going to make people think, oh, well, it's like he's backing down so I can relax. I can back down. I can stop marching. I can stop yelling and protesting. No, don't do this. This is exactly what he wants. This is exactly his tactic. Because the more he says that, you got to understand, people on the other side, his supporters, they're getting amped up. Another thing that he's starting to realize, all of these all of this talk that he's done in regards to the coronavirus, he's realizing he has looked like a fool telling people come out having these mass gatherings and all these numbers are going right back up that's on his watch it's just a matter of time when those number and you hate to say things like this but it's just a matter of time it's going to it's going to start hitting the homes of his supporters and they're going to change. I, I, you know, I don't get it now. I don't know what will it take. 
for these people to really get it in their minds how real this is. Again, I'm a, I've been designated as an essential worker. I pretty much go out every day as a, as a clinician helping people with mental health issues stabilize themselves, especially during this time. It's, it is definitely much needed. You can't, you just can't turn it off. You know, going to a grocery store. Yeah, and I'll be truthful. I've been out to a restaurant. Still take all the precautionary measures. You know, I've been going to my gym. Again, taking all the precautionary measures. You know, taking advantage of the low turnout. But it's, it's still, when you just tell people that it is nothing there, and these people are believing you, these people are angry that they can't work, and there's money that could be sent to them to keep them going, to stabilize them, to calm them down, and you making it bipartisan, because you want to add parts that has nothing to do with the helping of another person, but you just, you want to take advantage of a situation. That's, that's evil. I mean, when they're now trying to pass bills that would pretty much, it's really get rid of the, Get rid of the police department. And the number one thing that they really want to add into this bill with the Democrats is that a police officer can be sued. And there's no doubt in my mind, this will change the game. But then you got the Republicans that are like, we want this. However, we want to add parts to this bill that has nothing to do with policing where cities and states are saying let's defund it which is basically a way of saying we're not going to give them all of the resources that they had in the past and we're going to take this money and put this money in the communities because it's it's common sense if you improve say after school programs neighborhood programs this will require less police less police of course less funding you know the thing that i look at when they're saying things like you got these police officers that are quitting my thing is this is a perfect opportunity to start over let them quit because that that tells you who really are those rogue police officers when a person say i am going to quit because we can't beat people up we can't kill people 
we can't continue business as usual, you're going to quit over this? That's a blessing in disguise. This is equivalent to the same blessing that I tell people in regards to since Donald Trump has been elected. It has shown us who your neighbors are because they feel that it's safe for them to come out and express their views and opinions. Because once they stick their head out of that little hole, like a little peri dog, they can't put it back. I tell people, this is a blessing in disguise. All of these police officers that are leaving the force because of treatment of bad police officers and they're leaving, to me, that's a blessing. Again, they're sticking their heads out like little Perry dogs. Yeah, it is, it is with the hope that if a number of them resign, that crime and chaos will pursue and then they will hope that somebody will come begging them to come back. If you got that type of mindset, that tells you right then and there who they are, what they are. That That is a, gosh, I just keep saying, how much of a blessing in disguise that is. It's like if you went from police officer, police officer, and said, hey, are you going to be an upstanding officer? Are you going to uphold the law? Of course, they're going to say, yeah. But when a police officer says, I'm quitting because you fired this person for killing that person or harming this person, we are going to quit. We're going to resign our position. And this ain't even, this is not even mentioning the other police departments in other states that are telling these police officers that they can come there. You got a rogue police officer and your department is making a statement that these people can come there. See this, this, I don't understand how police departments like this have lasted for so long. Yes, I can blame, I'll blame the police union, but you, how, how do a police of chief, chief of police, excuse me, how do the department heads, how do they not catch this? How do they not sit there and say, I know that this guy is a dirty cop, but I can't get rid of him. And what is it that, I guess, ties their hands so that they can't get rid of this particular police officer? I mean, this is crazy. So now you got a surefire way that has basically shown you who these 
not so friendly officers are. Use that as a blessing. They pretty much are really defunding themselves, which another part of the bill indicates that if a police officer have so many write-ups or they're, they're, they're told to leave this particular apartment in one state or one city and then they go to another place and something is in place. It's something federal that says that you cannot bring this person into this department. Another thing that is also being looked at is the weaponry. You know, I've spoken on this before. I look at the pictures of myself in the Gulf War, and I look at the pictures of police officers in Atlanta, Georgia, and hell, they look more prepared for war than we did. And we was in a war. When you have on equipment like that, or when you have access to equipment like this, when you're told that you need equipment like this, you're going to have a war mentality. If you have a war mentality, you're going to go to war, even if there's not a war. You, it's, it's the same concept if you have an RPG, if you have a, a tank, and somebody tells you, start the tank up. Load up the RPG, which, you know, excuse me, rocket propel, um, grenade. You going to want to use it. I mean, it's, this is common sense. So why is it that the government issue weaponry like this to a police department? Yeah, it's... It's no different than giving a gun to a baby. You don't know what is going to happen, but you best believe whatever it is, it is not going to be good. And on that note, I'm going to leave it right here. It was enough venting for today. Anyway, as always, would love to hear your views, your opinions. Please ask questions. I see that, you know, there are a number of people starting to start liking what I'm saying, giving me feedback. I appreciate that. Again, please ask questions, make corrections, offer me your opinions. We'd love to hear all of that. Until then, this has been another episode of there is a system to this madness. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Thank you and God bless.